Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, a joint effort from the Massachusetts Law Office Management Assistance Program, Suffolk University Law School's Advanced Legal Studies, the Chicago Bar Association's Law Practice Management and Technology, and the Massachusetts Bar Association. Each month, episodes are presented by nationally known experts on a range of legal marketing topics, including promoting, growing, and marketing your law firm and or practice. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hey, everybody. Welcome to my summer camp, which is different from Tommy's holiday camp, only in that it involves less pinball and rocks significantly less hard. This is kind of more like Disney's Camp Rock, but without the Jonas Brothers. During the heinous months of fall, winter, and spring, this podcast features audio from live webinars broadcast under Massachusetts Low Maps Lunch Hour Legal Marketing brand. Of course, there's only one problem with that arrangement. We don't host any webinars over the summer. We're left with a content breach. Now, since nature abhors a vacuum, we've decided to offer four Lunch Hour Legal Marketing podcasts this summer. These podcasts are going to appear in the form of interviews with the featured speakers from the 2015 Super Marketing Conference in Boston, our annual marketing conference. I'll tell you, it's a great list of speakers turned interviewees, and we're calling this the Summer of Lunch. Hashtag Summer of Lunch. Hit it up on social media. This is a limited edition podcast series within an, edition, within an existing podcast. That is all pretty meta. Now, if you don't recognize my voice, I'm Jared Correa, the Assistant Director and Senior Law Practice Advisor at Massachusetts LOMAP. I'm the co-host of the Legal Toolkit podcast, which you may listen to on this network. Our first summer of lunch interviews with Larry Port, CEO of Rocket Matter. Rocket Matter is a law practice management software system. Larry is, in fact, my second favorite Larry ever. Larry Bird's the first, of course. But that still means I like him more than Larry from the Three Stooges, Larry Melman from David Letterman, and even Larry King, who's probably still alive, even as I, even as I record this podcast. Um, Larry Port, however, is a man of mystery. He's got scant information available online from which I could construct a professional biography, so this is what I'm left with. He's a wellness junkie. Now, that, that seems to be a contradiction in terms, but that's just me. He reads historical fiction. He really likes his iPhone. You can read his writing at Rocket Matters Legal Productivity blog and elsewhere. You can find him speaking at legal conferences across the country or in the bushes in front of your house. So, Larry, what's shaking in Florida this morning? Not much. It's a beautiful 90-degree and uh, 100% humid day. Nice. That's good stuff. Do you have, like, geckos all over you or no? Cur- like, currently, like, all yeah. over my body? Yeah. No. Um, oh. But there are some in the neighborhood, and when I walk my dogs, they chase them. Oh, see, I didn't know that. That's crazy. Florida is a dangerous place, people. Move back up to New England. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Larry, let's get into it. We're going to do some questions, and we'll try to get some irreverence going here. I've tried to get that kicked off. So, Perfect. Larry, if law firm marketing was a mustache, what kind of mustache would it be? Next question. <laughs> all right. uh, that's really funny, actually. Okay, so if... Um, <laughs> If law firm marketing were a mustache, what kind of mustache would it be? All right, so this is referring to a graphic that I had in my presentation where I had a guy 
with like this crazy 1910 mustache, the likes of which you might see in Brooklyn actually right now. But that would be your mustache because the point there is that a lot of the techniques that attorneys use to market their firm are uh, predate um, kind of the scientific method of management that was pioneered in, in the early 20th century uh, by Frederick Winslow Taylor. So, you know, a lot of attorneys just are uh, just do not know which way is up when it comes to marketing. They don't know what to do or they spend money because they think they need to be spending money. They're not sure what they're spending their money on. Um, it's, it, it's really a complete disaster and they're, they're just uh, throwing money, good money after bad. So, so that's the idea right there is that um, it's a lot of um, kind of old thinking is, mm. is what I would say. So, I would have gone with handlebar mustache, but that's okay. I guess you could go, uh, yeah, uh, maybe a handlebar mustache. Definitely not a toothbrush mustache. You get in a lot of trouble with that one. Um, it may not even be um, mustache. It could be like nostril hair is, is oh. what I might, oh, I might suggest. Oh, that's really good. I yeah. like that. And I would also say that law, most law firm marketing predates like fish walking up onto land back in the day. But in any event, um, let's talk about uh, pogo sticking in, okay. terms of, in terms of web search. Can you explain that and why it's sort of less cool than it sounds like it could be? Yeah, you don't want pogo sticking to happen to you. All right, so so the idea of pogo sticking is uh, somebody types in a Google search term. Let's say it's a Massachusetts defense lawyer. Hmm. Uh, so they're going to get listed with uh, – they're going to they're gonna see on Google most likely or Bing for the people that are using Bing. Um, they're going to see like a list of search results. That's called the search engine results page or SERP. Now, what people typically do is they're just going to go in order. They're going to click on the first one, and they're going to take a look at it. And if they like what they see, they're going to continue on that site. If they take a look at that site and they don't like it, then they're going to go back to the search engine result page, and they're going to click on the next one. And they're going to keep doing that until they find the result they want. That's called pogo sticking. So you don't want someone to pogo stick off of your site and into the next one. Yeah. Um, so, oh, well, I have – that's it. But there's obviously so many, there's okay, obviously so many things that we could talk about from there. Um, like, well, why that's true. Right, pogo stick off. Yes. You know? Yes. So, so, so what, are, what are like two basic reasons you see for people jumping off of somebody's website when they get on? Well, the first thing is, is that um, you really need to keep your audience in mind. Most attorneys, when they write copy for their website, don't even think about what the audience is looking for. So <laughs> you want somebody to come to your website for some reason, right? Yeah, probably business development or maybe it's a referral so they need some affirmation that you actually know what you're doing. Mm. But, but you need to keep those people in mind. Most people, when they create with their own website, they, they just like write all this like, it's like, it's, it's like diarrhea of the typewriter. You know, it's just like all this stuff that's about them and it's like, here's what I do, here's where I graduated from, here's my history. Nobody, gives, nobody cares about that. They yeah. want to know what they, it's all in it for them. So you got to think like it, it's an in it for me society. So what's in it for the visitor? So you need to let the visitor know what's in it for them when they first come to your website. And, they'll, and then they'll stay. The second thing is design. So the site should look modern. I mean, mm -hmm. um, I yeah. hate to break it to everybody, but you know, Apple has really changed the game. Uh, when it comes to design, like we're used to things working, we're used to things looking cool, and um, not only should it look good on a normal web browser on a computer, but like over half the Google searches these days are on mobile devices, so it has to look good on a mobile device as well. So yeah. 
those are the two main things that will keep people on your site is if you keep in mind uh, what the what's in it for the user and if you make sure that the design is easy to use, looks good on a variety of devices. I, I noticed you didn't mention like having an awesome picture of a shark on your website. So that's a no? No. Uh, hmm. Well... It depends, you know, <laughs> your area of law. I like hamsters myself. I like the hamster oh. dance. I like the little music. and Very nice. You know, yeah, those are adorable, adorable little creatures. Kittens work very well. Yes, yes. I know you're a fan of kittens. Um, well, I, I'm a huge fan of kittens. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about vanity metrics. Let's, let's make that be our next topic. What, what does that mean, vanity metric, and why are they so misleading? Sure. So – Kittens can be adopted in all sorts of different locations. Like your humane society might be a, okay. Just kidding. Uh, that's good. That's good. This is a free form podcast, Larry. You talk about okay. kittens if you want. All right. I'll just, that's what politicians do, right? They ask uh, you ask them a question, they'll just answer whatever they, the hell they want to say. Yes. All right. So vanity metric. All right. So um, first of all, it's important to measure what you're doing. Let's get that straight right off the bat. So mm-hmm. we have. Uh, an expression here, more like a mantra, that if you're not measuring, you're not marketing. So it's important to know what to measure. Um, and important things to measure are, for example, um, how many visitors come to your website, um, how many of those visitors end up getting in touch with you, how many of the people that get in touch with you end up converting into a client. And believe it or not, there's actually ways to do this. It's not complete rocket science. Is that true? <laughs> it's actually true. Believe it or not, it's actually true. So those are things are the important things to track. Um, mm. The other things that are important to track are you know, how much money you spend on different marketing campaigns and what comes in the door from those marketing campaigns. So that's important to track, your return on investment. What's not important to track are numbers that are kind of like what we call vanity metrics. So an example of that is like the number of Twitter followers that you have uh, or the number of Facebook friends that you have. Mm. Um, if, if you look at the data, there's no reason to really obsess about um, how many Twitter followers you have because once you cross a certain number of them, like a couple hundred of them, the, the, re, the return is very marginal. Also, Twitter is fastly becoming, a, although I enjoy it and other people enjoy it, and you can make friends on Twitter and make relationships on Twitter, is fastly yeah. becoming like the CB radio of social media. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're having problems. There's 700 million abandoned accounts. Um, mm-hmm. There's 300 million active accounts, which is like only a fraction of what's on Facebook and less than what's on Instagram. So, um, you know, it, what you really don't want to pay attention to are these numbers that really have no value to anyone but your own self and your own vanity. Those are the vanity metrics, and uh, do not obsess over those. That's good stuff. All right, so let's talk about social media more generally then. You mentioned Twitter. Obviously, there are other social media accounts. Um, How do you feel about lawyers using social media marketing generally? Do people put too much stock on it? Is it effective? What do you think? Oh, I think there's been way too much hype over the years. Um, Mm -hmm. It's hard for me to know what the dialogue is now about it, but I I, I think that if – and I think people realize this, that all all the hype about it that – was occurring when it first started catching on back in 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. That was so much hot air. Um, I think people <laughs> realize that they, they're not going to get a deluge of business when they sign up for a Twitter account. So uh, m- my uh, feeling about social media is that it, it does a couple of things. Number one, it can keep you informed. So um, you, know, you can find out what is going on in other people's lives so that you can use the old school techniques of reaching out to people, calling people, networking with people and say, oh, hey, I saw that um, 
you know, it, it's a little big brotherish, but like, hey, I saw that it was like your kid's <laughs> birthday, or hey, I yeah. saw that your wife bought a new dress, or well, you might want to not want to do that, but you know a lot about people about what's going on. Think about some of the things that you post on t- social media, and then when you go meet somebody, they're like, oh, hey, I saw you took a vacation, like. <laughs> Uh, you don't want to be creepy about it, but it can be <laughs> yeah. used to kind of like you know spur conversation with your referral network and the people that you know. So it's really good to k- kind of keep tabs on what's happening, what's going on. Twitter's great like that because it, it you know it's it's really first breaking news. So Twitter's a really good news source. It also allows you to get in front of like you can like talk to anybody on Twitter because you you can you can you message LeBron James, he'll probably see it. You know. Um, <laughs> Yes, and and summarily ignore it. <laughs> and summarily ignore it, right. One time I actually got in a conversation with Katie Quirk, which was weird. Really? Um, that is weird. About what? It was it was uh she uh blew the ending to uh the movie Shutter Island. So that Not must have been cool. early on Not in the cool. uh, Yeah, she spoiled she spoiled it. And so I was like I was like, Katie Quirk, you spoiled that movie. And then she texted me she she direct messaged me. She's like, I didn't really ruin the movie for people, did I? I'm like yeah, you did. I don't know if you've seen Shutter Island, but you know, <laughs> I have. I'm not going to spoil the ending. <laughs> right? Let's not do. Let's not pull a Katie on this show. Uh, I don't want people direct messaging me and being like, "You blew the ending to Shutter Island." Let Katie right. Cork deal with that mess. Yeah, Katie Cork, man, she stepped in a big time. So <laughs> not the first time, of course. <laughs> she's been off balance ever since. So, um. But yeah, so so that's what I would say it's useful for. It's also useful like, you know, if you have some if you have a blog post or something that you want to like advertise about the firm, you know, get it out on the channels. I would say that one thing that's kind of interesting is Google Plus is interesting. It 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 is not that you have to be worried about another network, but using Google Plus is is kind of like sanctioned cheating when it comes to SEO. So search engine optimization is this like whole big deal and this big cat and mouse game with Google and there's all these tricks about it. But to, the reality is is that if you post uh, web pages, blog posts and stuff like that on Google Plus, then uh, you get some street cred on Google. And you, you know, it, yeah. so it's, it's a way of kind of boosting your SEO ranking. So uh, my advice is to find um, an... To, to view social media networks, aside from Google+, but to view LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, or Twitter as Rotary or, you know, the, the one on the Flintstones where they wore the funny hats. Like, oh, look at the, Yes. Hold on. I'm going to Google that. Go ahead. Yeah. Definitely find out what that is. It's very important. <laughs> and, and so I, I think you have to look at social media networks just like that and as a community that you're going to participate in and and – Engage in the one that you like and, and, and reinforce relationships and build relationships on those networks just like you would in those clubs. That's the way you got to think about it yeah. because the, the promise of this great new tomorrow with the social media driving business to your firm <laughs> is not there. You mean clubs like the Loyal Order of Water Buffaloes? Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So Twitter might be the Loyal Order of Water Buffaloes and Facebook might be more like Rotary. So – you know, LinkedIn is good too. A lot of good groups on LinkedIn. A lot of junk out there, uh, yeah. but you, you really have to filter through a lot of stuff. And I would also, if you're not inclined to do it, and if you just really hate it, um, you know, don't bust your butt to do it. I mean, just devote mm-hmm. like five minutes, ten minutes a week. If you enjoy it, great. If you don't like to do it, you know, just do what you have to do. At least have your social media profile set up because you don't want somebody impersonating you. So oh, yeah, yeah. Look I professional mean, on the web and stuff. It's true. Even even uh, even Fred Flintstone couldn't spend all his time helping out the loyal order water buffaloes. I think that's probably a good place to pause here. So let's take a break, and we're back for more in a few 
with Larry Poor. It's the summer of lunch, everybody. Hey, is it hot in here? Nah, it's just the summer of lunch. Larry Porter of Rocket Matters here with us to talk about what works and doesn't in online marketing in 2015. So Larry, let's talk about websites. We talked a little bit about that, but how about creating calls to action on websites? I've heard you say you shouldn't have a learn more link on your website because people don't like to learn. True that. So what's the alternative? How should attorneys promote interaction via their websites? Okay, well... Uh, the one thing I would say is that there are probably some people listening to this that hear call to action. I'm wondering like what the hell that isn't to begin with. But Good point. Yeah, so so the idea is that when in marketing, the, the CTA or the call to action is something that um, spurs the viewer or user of whatever it is that you have to, to take some action. That might be to call you. That might be to click on a link. That might be to fill out a form. It might be one of those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So... Um, and keep in mind that even though people go to a website, that doesn't just mean – and this is a trap that we all fall into. When people go to a website, it doesn't just mean that they're going to fill out a form. They're probably going to want to call you. So a lot of people yes. forget that offline and online and online and offline kind of interplay with each other. So you know, uh, telephone numbers and having people call you is a, is a great call to action. But if you're going to have a call to action, it needs to be on your site – and ideally, it needs to be in one of two locations. It needs to be about two-thirds of the way down on the screen, and it needs to be either center or it needs to be on the right. Um, and it needs to be uh, – it needs to have strong language like, like get in touch. Like Oh, yeah, sorry. Like screw you. No, it should not <laughs> say that. Um, <laughs> uh, your visitor will probably pogo stick right out. Um, <laughs> there you go. Nice. Exactly. Right. No, it should say something like, you know um, – contact us now or, or tell us about your issue or, or something uh, from their perspective. But for example, learn more. It's easy to say discover more because people like to discover. They might not want to yes. learn, right? Yes. So it's, I like word choice is very important. Um, the other thing that's important with a call to action, it, you know, it, it usually what you want is you want it to be very contrasty. Typically calls to action are in the form of buttons um, or things that look like buttons. They should look clickable. Typically, they're white or black text on a background color that um, is contrasty from the rest of the site. So if you have a blue site, it might be a red button. If you have um, you know, a white site, it might be a red button, something like that. So um, you want your call to action to look clickable. You want it to be um, in a certain position on the page, two-thirds of the way down, and usually centered around the right-hand side. And um, you want it to uh, be very contrasting and obvious and very, with very clear language. So that makes for effective calls to action. Those are great tips. I can dig it. Um, all right, so let's, let's pogo stick back to a totally different topic, keyword advertising. Law firms talk about this a lot. How much should they be spending on keyword advertising and how much time should they be devoting to that practice? Next question. Actually, um, <laughs> kittens. Your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, everybody should at least should have at least ten kittens. Um, <laughs> so, on, on keyword advertising, I would say this. I would say that um, it's hard to really prescribe what people can, uh, what people should be spending because it depends on you know how large the firm is and how much revenue they have coming in. That's fair. You but, have a pass. Would you like to take a pass? <laughs> no, no, because this is, this is important. <laughs> uh, this is important because I see people – one time I went into a firm. It was a 17-user firm, 
and they were spending $3,000 a month on pay-per-click. They didn't know what they were getting for that money, They'd, and they weren't varying it up. Okay, The thing about pay-per-click and the people that used it successfully um, <clears throat> look at their ads all the time, and, and that's the beauty of it. That's what it's really meant for. It's meant for active usage, so you can test certain keywords, see how those respond, and test other keywords and see how those respond. The other thing was if you're, if you're going to be spending the money on pay-per-click keyword advertising, then you really need to have dedicated landing pages where those keywords end up for a lot of different reasons. Number one, it's more trackable. So you can track how many people land on a given page of your website. You don't want them going to the home page. You want them going to a dedicated page that you can like measure. And you want to say, okay, um, it, this page uh, – performs or it doesn't perform or it performed better with this language. The other reason that's important is that there's a concept in, in pay-per-click advertising called your quality score of your ad. And the more your quality score goes up, the more your ad gets shown and the cheaper the clicks are. And your quality score goes up if the text of your advertisement matches the page that it goes to. So there's you, you could study this stuff for like two or three years and still not know everything there is to know about it. Um, and it constantly evolves. Now, there's an important alternative to pay-per-click advertising, which is display advertising, which it's still pay-per-click, but it's not search-based advertising where it's keywords. Now, you're an attorney that is doing like personal injury type stuff. Uh, a keyword like mesothelioma is going to be like 100 bucks a click. So <laughs> yeah. that's going to eat up anyone's budget. What is a lot more affordable is display-based advertising on the social media networks. That's something I neglected to mention before is that mm. social media on Facebook and Twitter – are especially Facebook are, are really ripe areas for extremely targeted advertising. Yeah. So this is this is such a huge topic. Um, I don't know if you have more advertising questions because we can like <laughs> go deeper and deeper and deeper into it. <laughs> we we can we can we can change it up. This is good though. I'm I'm I, I was impressed. There was a lot of good stuff in there, Larry. Um, all right. So last thing I want to talk about on of a substantive nature, content marketing, because we hear that a lot. People think it's cheap, easy way to advertise a law firm. So to what extent should law firms be focused on content marketing as far as buttressing their web presence? I think content, content marketing is pretty important. It's, um, you know, it, it's, we're kind of at the state where if you're doing content marketing, then you're not really differentiating anymore. Maybe a little bit in the legal field, um, but um, most businesses are doing content marketing online. And um, the we we do a ton of content marketing, and um, you know we've been doing it so long that uh, we get a lot of business from it. But it's still we're still at this kind of stage where like a lot of other people are doing it. So now it's is our content better than everybody else's? Yeah. So yeah. for us, it's it's a different kind of issue. Um, but for law firms, it's important to have content because think about what happens if um, you know a client runs into trouble, like. A lot of clients, especially consumer clients or even business clients, they need to reach out to a lawyer when something really, really awful is happening in their life. So um, they want to see videos. They want to consume information. They want to read FAQs. They want to read blog posts about the issue that they're facing. And the more stuff that you have out there, the more stuff when people are searching will will draw them to your site. And if you have a website that has like a downloadable ebook that are the top 10 things to know when you get busted with like – Coke all over your face when you're driving, you know, um, then, then that's important because people download those and they read them in that case yeah. very fast, perhaps, um, <laughs> so, you know, um, 
it, it's it's important to draw people in, and there's an implicit arra- uh, agreement. And I don't want to be careful here because I'm not talking about attorney client arrangement, but there yeah. there is there is uh, kind of an implicit kind of um, I will give you my information in return for that resource. So mm-hmm. you know people are willing to give you their first name, last name, email address. Uh, telephone number in return for quality content, which is important. And, and a lot of times, you know, then that feeds into your newsletter, so they start becoming more aware about you. And especially in instances like with family law, um, you know, where people are, tend to maybe think about it and shop around a little bit more, you know, you want to you wanna have as many exposures to that uh, potential customer as you can. So content marketing allows you to do that. It allows you to seem to be trusted. Um, I think it's important for attorneys to do video because, mm. you know, yep. it's important for people to see your face and develop a sense of trust with you. And video allows that to happen. So I'm a big, big fan of video for attorneys and just quick little YouTube videos. It is the second biggest search engine. That, that, that was that was a, that was a heavily packed answer as well. I'm sitting here in awe. I'm thinking though, you know, the cocaine question, powdered donut, right? Isn't that your answer? I, it's a powdered donut. I, I, have a, I, have a, I have a story about that, but it may not be appropriate for the airwaves. Anyway, um, I, your mention of mesothelioma previously makes me want to pour out a little liquor for our homie Warren Zevon, one of the most underrated singer-songwriters in history. I know our producer Mark Oblinger appreciates that. Um, all right, Larry, let's talk about public figures for our last question. Rock and roll. You love historical fiction. Oh, yeah. So, so, I, so I have a two-sided question for you. Who's your favorite historical character, actual historical character? And then let's contrast that with who's your favorite character in historical fiction? Are you game for this? Yeah, wow. Oh, my gosh. This is like a tough question because there's so many famous people. I know. So many interesting people. You still have so, your past, remember? Well, I, you know, I, one of the um, – and I don't know if it was just because of um, David McCullough's book, but I loved um, – I'm a big fan of David McCullough. I think he does a great job like uh, talking about history and I love uh, – um, yeah, I love him and I love um, Eric Larson too. I, I love the way they write about history. But um, maybe it was his treatment of John Adams. I found that guy so fascinating, you know. Um, but it may just also be because of um, – that book and the way he had so much correspondence with his wife over all these years. And so you really got to see, you really felt like uh, by reading John Adams' correspondence, like that, you know, these are real people. You forget that these are like actual people that like have yeah. fears and emotions. And you look at these stupid paintings that they did back in the day, and everybody just has <laughs> like no expression on their face and their eyes are really round <laughs> and they don't seem like humans. So yes, um, yes. <laughs> that, that's the thing that I like about that kind of stuff that um, mm. – especially reading that book, the John Adams book, is how brought to life this, this dude really was. Yeah, Truman Biography by McCullough is very good also. If yeah, that, that one's really good. The one about the Brooklyn Bridge is great and um, mm. the, the, the story about uh, Washington Roebling and how he was able to conduct that bridge after he got a very serious case of the bends is amazing. This is good. Now this, now this is something I can get into. And, and lest I forget, I should mention Edmund Morris, who has a tremendous series on Theodore Roosevelt, if folks haven't read it. Oh, so yeah. This, this, is good, this is good stuff, Larry. This may be my favorite podcast ever. I don't mean to offend <laughs> any of my other guests, but for real. Um, so that'll do it, however. I think this is a pretty good launch. Inaugural interview series for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. This is good stuff. Um, 
If you're listening and you dug this, test drive the rest of our shows. You can listen anytime you want at LegalTalkNetwork.com. So Larry Port of Rocket Matter crushed it today, as he always does. Um, thanks for coming on, Larry. We, I really appreciate it. And can you tell people how to find out more about Rocket Matter before we go? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Jared, can I? is it okay for me to put my pants back on? At the beginning, you said to make mm-hmm. sure I took them off. Is it, is it okay now? Yeah, I think you can put them back on. I think it's safe now. All right, all right. I'll do that real quick. Uh, go to <laughs> Take <Rocket> your time. <laughs> uh, go to rocketmatter.com and you can learn all about uh, what we're doing. And um, we also have a great blog that's very, very helpful for lawyers. Um, very sympathetic to the cause. I think the work is very, very tough, to, especially for lawyers and small firms, to be able to balance all the things they do. So we have legalproductivity.com. Um, and we have all sorts of cool tips and tricks about how to become more profitable, make your firm a little bit easier to manage, and to be less overwhelmed with all the different stuff you have to do. Yeah, Rocket Matters blogs, ebooks, it's all excellent stuff from a content standpoint. Thanks, Larry. Thank you, Jared. All right, folks. So the summer of lunch is just beginning. We've already been to some fairly dark places. <laughs> so if you're brave enough, keep tuning in for more. Um, that is if you're not doing something awesome like actually vacationing or taking up scrimshaw. Actually, wait a second. You can actually carve whalebone and listen to a podcast at the same time. So it looks like you're good to go. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join us for the next episode covering legal marketing topics, including promoting, growing, and marketing your law firm and or practice. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.